All right, away we go. It is the BCJ Podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. It's a victory edition. Special thanks, as always, to our partners, the Holy Grail. Get yourself down to the Grail. Check out the Bearcats, hopefully in a bowl game. Like, hopefully, like, the next time we watch the Bearcats is in the Cotton Bowl because they've beaten Tulane, and then they've beaten UCF uh, at Nippert Stadium. And then now, you know, the winning streak is 34 and they're headed to the Cotton Bowl. But either way it goes, make sure you get to the Holy Grail at the banks and uh, have yourself some food, have yourself a couple drinks, and enjoy the excellent atmosphere at the best bar, sports bar in Cincinnati. Well, Dave. Aloha. Aloha and disaster averted. (laughs) Let's not kid ourselves. The tone of this show, if they lost, would have been They're, very different. Would have been uh, Tulane heavy. Well, no, probably not. <laughs> it probably would have been basketball heavy, but the tone <laughs> itself would have been very different. Uh, hold on a second. Yes, they played a uh, hello, Lamb Big. This uh, this time slot probably works. Quite well for you. Hello, uh, Graybush Live. Uh, but yes, they uh, second half especially uh, played played much better. Uh, you know when you when you run the make shots offense, love the make shots offense. Good things typically happen uh, when you seem to play with a ramped up. Level of effort and energy, good things seem to happen. Uh, but yeah, it was a good second half. Uh, here, here was my thing, Dave. I don't get into you know me, I don't get into hyperbole, I don't get into like bold claims and bold statements and all the, the hot takery that happens in the sports media these days. But let's be honest. That was as must-win a, no- a November game as this program has maybe ever played. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you <laughs> like for real. What, what are my expectations supposed to be moving forward if you drop a game to a team that is zero and six? I think at the they're zero and six now. Oh, they're Plus, 0 and six now. I, yeah, I think they're zero and six now. They okay. might be zero and seven. I, yeah. I think no, they're zero and six. No, they lost yeah. three games. By one point, none of those were in Maui, so there. But one of them was an exhibition game. Oh, okay. I I guess I didn't know if they were kind. Either way, they're like Louisville's terrible. I don't know if they'll win five games this year. They're bad, man. Yeah, zero and six officially. Zero and six. That might be. uh, It's uh, the first time they've started zero and six since nineteen forty forty one when they started zero and eleven. I mean, that might be a little bit of a of a knee jerk reaction, but like, who are like. Are they going to win one or two games in the ACC? Right. So, and it's, 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 the situation was definitely like made worse by the fact that Northern is absolute dog shit. Yeah. Um, they have, they have won two games, UC and UC Claremont. They have lost to Akron, Toledo, uh, Texas, Arlington, and Florida Gulf Coast. And only one of those games was single digit losses. The fighting Rick Broerings fucking suck. <laughs> so if you lose to them 
and you lose to Louisville in a four-game stretch, even with, you know, Arizona and Ohio State in between, uh, boy, boy. Right. And, <laughs> right? and, and honestly, like, they made a bunch of shots. They played hard in the second half, but, like, the Arizona game was an 18-point game with a minute and a half left. Sure, I but I still will say they fought their ass off against Arizona. They That's did, just but I'm just a I'm just, really good Arizona. It is, but I'm just straight up giving the result, sure. and then no, you, no, sure. That's what the game was. It and was then 18 follow, points with 90 seconds. You follow left. that up with a a game Done. against Ohio State that I, you know, losing Done. that game by five is is whatever. But like the way they played in that game, and then you would turn around and lose this game, like holy hell, like you know. That's a, that's a lot to take in pre-Thanksgiving and and how you assess that moving forward. You're, like, if you lose this game, you're legitimately talking losing season. Yeah. I mean, because you're like, who do they beat? Right. Like, <laughs> you're talking a season that is sub-500. <laughs> well, they didn't, and kudos kudos to them. Uh, there were still some of the same. First half, there was, it was. It wasn't same, like, I was kind of like. We talked, we, you know, the rebounding thing has been discussed a lot already. Yeah. And I'm like, can you not rebound if you don't even try to rebound? They're not a team that actively, uh, aggressively pursues the glass. That is for sure. Like, that's like, you know, you can't say, like, they can't rebound if you don't even try to rebound. And it seemed like at points and certain players are like, Literally just not really trying unless the ball happens to bounce right to them. Yeah. Uh, they the, the first half was not good on the glass as Louisville won the first half on the glass. Uh, let's see. It was like what? Plus Thir- 13. Plus six? 20 to 13. So it's plus, plus seven. And then the second half, it was was much better. It was 17 to nine. I mean, I guess you see, right? Yeah. You see had a 17 to nine advantage. It ended up 30, 29, you see. So they were out rebounded by seven in the first half. They won the rebound battle by eight in the second half. Uh, Lambig said, uh, never been more excited to be seventh place. Ain't that the truth, man. Eighth place, I'm telling you, this would have been. I mean, I don't care what I would have been apoplectic because I would have had to have dealt with the basketball board. (laughs) I don't care what the field is or who's in the field. Like, if you go 0 and 3 out there, it's it's not good because anybody that gets invited out there is supposed to be good of a certain level. Now, they're all not going to be top 15 teams or whatever, but like, you don't get invited to the tournament. Unless you are of a certain caliber. So you're not, ex- you know, there's no. Uh, right. Graybush, that's not true. OSU had like a three hour rest difference uh, between the opening round and the second round. OSU played the the nine o'clock game. UC tipped at 1130. Like it. Yes, there was a difference. And yes, it's really stupid to make a team that plays at 1130. Have to play. Yeah, why did they. Five. Why did OSU like? Yeah, why did OSU play earlier? I guess <laughs> well, they're in, 
Somebody had so to. So initially, right? yeah, somebody had to in that first game. But the problem is, at least from a like a, a competitive standpoint, whoever loses those games, the winners played last night. All four winners played last yeah. night. So then the losers all moved to the early bracket. Mm-hmm. So Ohio State played the first night game. UC played the second night There's game. There's only so much you can do. There's only so I mean, it's TV. Um, yeah. It is what it is. But, look, UC also probably played the first and third best teams in this event. If not, like, Ohio State played well. I mean, they handled Texas Tech pretty easily. Um, I mean, I, I would say Arizona, Creighton, and Arkansas are the three best teams. Yeah, San Diego State's up there, too, obviously. They beat Ohio State. So, Cincinnati gonna, played the first and fifth best teams. They're going to play Arkansas, t- yeah, Arkansas, San Diego State's. Yeah, now. that's that's gonna start it, you know, right about now. Um, the scheduling for the tournament was garbage. Look, man, like the scheduling for the tournament was not garbage. The scheduling for the what would you have felt better if UC had to play Creighton and Tex or Creighton and um, they who who lost the uh, Arkansas the first Arkansas game? Uh, San Diego State, right? No, no, San Diego State beat now. Ohio State. I, I don't Texas know. Tech, did Texas, Texas Tech, Tech and Arkansas play in the first game? I yeah. Think so. Whatever. But, it, like, you're, you would have had – if you were in the top bracket, you would have played two – this is, That's by some, far, everybody talked about how awesome this tournament uh, was. Look at next year. Holy but cow. Is it bad or is it North, great? Uh, it's incredible. Like, North Carolina, Gonzaga. Like, I mean, it's ridiculous, I think. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it was a great tournament. But look, UC and Louisville were three pegs below the other six teams in this event. Let's just be honest. I watched UC play Arizona. I watched UC play Ohio State. My takeaway from those two games, Dave, it is sobering how far this roster needs to go. Yeah. That's just, you want, you want me to be honest? Like, it, it, I get I'm a homer all the time. I get I don't I don't talk about the truth all the time. Blah 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 blah. It was sobering how much more talent Arizona had and even Ohio State that was all transfers and young kids essentially outside of Zed Key. They didn't have a problem. Like we talked about this this morning. In the first half, Bryce Sensiball, who has been their like their their scoring pop. Uh, scored in double digits every game. I don't know if he did today or not, but um, he scored two points in the first half. They still had other guys. Well, yeah, I think he had nine today because just uh, Justice Suing at 33. Right. So there's a ways to go. Like, that's the takeaway from Mallory. This roster still has a ways to go. And uh, I will say this, though, to the idiots that are like, uh, gut the entire roster to the studs, uh, only keep like four or five guys, including Rayvon and Jizzle, James. There's five guys th- that are committed to the program right now and that they should go out and get eight more guys. Yeah. Let me explain yeah. something. Let me explain something. <laughs> Part of the major problem that this university is facing right now is that they have turned over half the roster in each of the past four seasons. Some of that because of coaching changes, some of that by necessity, but you cannot continue 
to just gut your program of everything every year. It's not how it works. No, you have to you, be able to you have to be able to develop some some pieces. And you have to be able to to Here's what I don't love about the transfer portal. And I I meant to look this up. Let's look it up live. Talk for a second, Dave. Why not? Uh sure. So, but Only yeah, just like, a second. I'm going to I'm going to have this ready I agree with seconds. you though, like you know, you can't build any sort of cohesion. You can't build any sort of any sort of stability when you're when you're constantly doing that. Um, and you know, you see it. You know, in especially in football, I think you're starting to see as the portal becomes more of a thing outside of USC, where they just added like the best quarterback and the best wide receiver in the portal and then did some, did some other nice things too. Like these teams that are, that go have gone heavy in the portal. They're not being uber successful. You're seeing them drop games that you wonder. I mean, I heard this from the UCF side, like they are concerned. There is concern growing that they're becoming a portal program and that you drop games like the Navy game because you have a bunch of new pieces all the time and the same people aren't there together building and grinding and winning and experiencing things like a UC has. And that, yeah, we got this collection of talent, but like when shit isn't going well, who are we looking to for leadership and to make a play and, and, so on, so forth, things of that nature. Like, who in the locker room after a bad practice is going to be like, going to have the juice to be like, my blood, sweat, and tears are on these walls. Get your shit together, because it, it, it I, I guarantee it hits different coming from somebody that's been around for three months. People are going to look at him and be like, dude, you just, fucking, you just got here. Well, I just would got. You are. I would think most guys in that situation probably wouldn't even say anything. I know. You're right. So here we go, Dave. Here's the exercise. Dan Skillings, recruit. Yes. Kalua Zekpe, transfer. Landers Nolly, transfer. Mike Adams-Woods, recruit. David DeJulius, transfer. Rob Finnessy, transfer. Josh Reed, recruit. John Newman, transfer. Jeremiah Davenport recruit, Victor Locken recruit. Hensley transfer. Jared Hensley transfer, Odio Guama transfer, Sage Tolentino recruit. Seven to six. Yeah, it's basically 50-50. Seven to six. There are more transfers in this program right now than there are guys that were recruited to be Bearcats. I don't think that is a sustainable way long-term to win. No, I don't either. I mean... I, I don't mind supplementing. I'm not anti-transfer portal. No, you can't I, be anti. Like you can't. Right. Like Clemson is is even moving off of like the whole like we're not going to use the portal. Like the, that's you dumb. have to use the portal to some extent. Right. That's dumb. You know you can't. And I think we're seeing that in football is like I've talked about on the board. I'm expecting, and this is not coming. I'm just expecting them to be more active in the portal because of the transition to the Big 12. And, you know, you're just not going to replace big-time proven talent 
with with nothing but freshmen or nothing but ki- like right you have to bring in some people that have played you have to bring in some people that are developed now i'm never going to want to go to the extent of an smu or a ucf or what US, and usc might have only done it one year because lincoln riley was able to to pull those guys and he has the juice to do it and now that he's there they're probably going to go much more high school because why wouldn't you but like right. I'm never going to be like a 50-50 guy because if you're a 50-50 guy or thereabouts, we already know that half of those portal guys aren't going to play. Right, pan out. exactly. So now you're a 25% guy on your own roster. Well, half of the the, the, the high school kids aren't going to work out either. Right. So now 25% of your each class is a, is the foundation of your program. It's, it's a, I think it's a losing recipe. Yeah, I mean, you have to play it because more and more and more are going to be in. I mean, this once these games are over this weekend and then once yeah. December 5th hits, it's going to be insane. But that doesn't, like... But I also feel bad for the kids because that there's not going to be that many spots for the... Like, it's going to just keep getting worse and worse where these kids are not, not going to have... today, 3,500 transfers in the portal in football? I mean... Are we counting FCS and FBS? I don't know. The, the tweet I saw said last year there were 3,000 football entries into the portal, and this year they expect it to be somewhere between 3,500 to 4,000. So I went low. I mean, 3,500. Well, if I mean, if – so 300, yeah, that seems a bit much just for – That's 26 guys a team. Yeah, that's <laughs> so it had to be – that had to be all of college football. <laughs> That has to be yeah, FCS division. T- like, there's no way 26 guys a, a, right. of the of the 131 <laughs> division one teams are transferring. That's what I get for you know working Doing too math. much and trying to do math. It's not. I, I just saw it in passing, and I was like, I but no, I mean, I mean, like, yeah, especially in basketball, it it needs to be like a couple guys, two guys, three guys. Yeah, we need we need this specific thing we need you know and it's the same way in football but you obviously have so many more more bodies and, and right not but like you're not you shouldn't be building roster depth through the portal you should be adding impact guy, impact guys like a starter or like a a, defi- a a deficiency like we need a shot blocker he might not be a starter but we need a shot blocker not right. like we need an eighth man like because yeah. none of these high school kids have panned out. Like we need, we need you know a backup four man that might. What play we're really minutes a game, Dave. What we're really missing is a twelfth guy. Let's go get a new twelfth guy. Yeah, that's why they're in the predicament that they're in now. <laughs> Look, this roster is already. You have four seniors, super seniors, and you have four COVID like seniors that have an extra year i would guess probably safe bet half of those move on you have six spots already coming open you've got two signed high school kids i would guess at least one maybe two more high school kids coming in go get two or three guys two guys out of the portal three guys out of the portal and and then you're where you need to be because then you have Reed, Skillings, Tolentino, James, Griffith, another high school kid, 
and now you got five or six guys at the core of your roster that are kind of the start of Cincinnati, what Cincinnati looks like in the Big 12. And you'll need in that with that group, you'll need older guys because you just need some guys with experience. Like all yeah. those guys are going to be first or second year guys. Right. So you'll need you'll need, you know, some guys that have played, some guys that have been in situations. So yeah, but like as those guys get older, then that number of uh you know players in that level should diminish that you need. You guys are gonna have to get better at reading what I say on the board <laughs> and not taking it out of context. I said there weren't a lot of high school kids left right now. But guess what happens? By the way, if you don't already have access to the boards, you can get access right now with the Black Friday sale, 75% off for the year for signing up with a new subscription to BearcatJournal.com. There you go, 75% off right now. So you can you can misinterpret what I say uh, for your own instead of having other people do it for you. I said there's not a lot right now. I think there's 10 kids left in the top 100, Dave. There's not a lot of high school kids left right now to go after. But guess what happens? You get to the spring. Coaches get fired. Guys go back on the market. Players reclassify. There are things that happen. Or or somebody has a great high school season that you're like, ooh, I think this guy might be able to be, you know, maybe a developmental guy to help us. So just because I said they're not recruiting any, like they're not heavily involved with any 2023 high school kids right now, does not mean that doesn't change in the spring. This is recruiting. It changes every damn day. Dave, how many times do we have a conversation on one day? And then the next day we have a conversation that completely contradicts the conversation well, that we had the day before. I think that happened yesterday and today. Today you, today you called me four times in, in a row. <laughs> I did. There was stuff to talk about. Oh, another thing. Oh, another thing. So, yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's always, like, they're, they're never not recruiting. There's always things that happen, like, yeah, you know, we you've mentioned on the board, and we don't need to go into it. The you know junior college possible target, other reclassification targets. I mean, guys, I saw an article. I saw an article. I think um, Jeff Borzello. I didn't read it, but put it out about some kid at NC State that like went from barely in the top 100 to now he might be like the best pro prospect. <laughs> right in college in over college. 18 months and like he went came back to school and everyone's like why did he come now they're all wondering why he came back to school and it's like things happen like you can identify guys later like you said coaching changes uh the you know it you know it's just there's no reason to think that it's it's we can say like they're not currently recruiting anybody but that doesn't mean that they're not like looking no and keep, what I'm, keeping tabs on people. Right. And what I'm saying is they're not, other than like Davion Thomas that we've talked about at length, who is a Juco point guard, guard point guard, he's at Kilgore College. Um, they've been recruiting him for a long time. Like he's been a name that's on the radar. Um, there's a 
there's a big man down in Florida, a high school kid that's kind of a late bloomer center that they're looking at. You can get that name on the board. Like it hasn't progressed super far yet, but they're watching it. And and we've been very big about like, we're not going to just tell you like stuff that's not happening. We're not going to report things that are in the very early stages. If there's some legs to it, if we get to like visits or starting to get set up, things like that, then we'll talk about that. But I, I'm not chasing around every like, ooh, they sent this kid a text message today. Oh, they're in his DMs. <laughs> they're in so-and-so's DMs. Like, I, I think that is clickbait. Maybe I'm yeah. crazy because it probably would get us a lot more clicks on this business. Like, because then what happens is they make contact with the kid and after like two or three, whatever, like days a week, they figure out the kid figures out. I'm not interested. The school figures out. That's not a guy that we're all that, you know, and then, and then all we're having to do is answer questions of what happened to this guy, what happened to that guy. And we just have to continuously be like, yeah, it, it, it's not going to work out or they didn't, they, you know, they decided it wasn't a good fit. Right. Like, there's no point in having that back and forth for no, like for no reason. I think it'd be just more beneficial. Like when, when stuff is serious, then we, then we talk about it, but like, yeah. it's kind of like with the portal now, like we're, you know, football, we're putting a few names up, but it's like, we don't know if that's like, we absolutely want this guy, but we're going to do, we're going to walk on broken glass to get him. Or if it's just like a, we sent him, you know, we introduced ourselves and we'll see, you know, if he's interested in us too. Right. So let's let's get back to to Louisville, Cincinnati. Uh, yes, I have a question. Okay, I have an answer. Dan Skillings. He's a to baby me, deer. He he does offensively. <laughs> he he seems to be like in the mindset of like whenever I touch the ball, I have to do something with it. Uh, but defensively, athletically, and rebounding, I feel like he's actually trying and I can't say that for many other guys, especially on the glass besides Vic. Does he, do you live with some of the things freshmen do and some of the things uh, that make you want to put your hair out offensively because of mainly the rebounding element of it, just because it just seems like it doesn't matter who these guys play. They're not, they're not going to be a good rebounding team. And he at least gives you, an athletic wing and a guy that attacks the glass and is willing to do it. Yes. I, I would like to see Dan in the 20 to 25 minutes a night range. The problem there, and we know the, like the fix to this, if you insist that there's a fix, um, he plays the two. I, I don't, I, and it's hard to like say specifically if they've asked him to do the like play the three, yeah, um, play the two, or like what specifically they're asking him to do because that those two positions are kind of interchangeable. And I haven't like charted who exactly he's on the court to know, like, mm -hmm. you know, this is um, obviously Julius played 35 minutes tonight and Dan played 13, so he played some away from the two because. And I'd say most of those were in the first half. It didn't seem like he played as much in the yeah. second half. Um, 
And I can hold on. And I don't know. I could be. T- it just felt that way watching it. That, that could be wrong. But it could be pretty. Even. First half, Dan played eight minutes. So five. Second half, he played five. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, um, I know we're gonna get like well, virtually no rebounding from Micah to Julius and JD. Well, it, here's the problem, which makes it today at hard. least. <laughs> today at least, the Julius had 26. Nolly had 21. So those are the two spots that you're going to get him in. Dave played 35 minutes. Landers played 31 minutes. So a combined 9, 5, 14 minutes where, you know, those guys weren't on the floor in the whole game. Right. So it it becomes difficult if those two are playing well, unless you move Dave to point guard. And so far they haven't done that. Yeah. I mean, JD didn't shoot the ball well, but he had a good floor. Yeah, I game. thought he played a good floor game. He had Maybe. six rebounds, six rebounds, six assists, two steals. And, and Mike back. had Mike had three rebounds, five assists, only one turnover. JD didn't have any turnovers. But you know, typically though, I would say six is on the high end for him. Mike had usually, I mean, I would guess three well, is on the high end. They're just and Dave just doesn't rebound because he's a perimeter guy and he's shooting a lot of shots. So on Jeremiah, people have complained, and I believe rightfully so in a lot of ways, that the offense, especially against Ohio State, was stagnant. And I agree. What happened in the second half when there was better ball movement, Dave? Jeremiah Davenport had five assists. Like, people are like, run offense. Well, they're running offense. The players aren't executing. They're not passing. So, a guy, like, how many times have we seen uh, Jeremiah had a pass for a dunk in the second half Mm -hmm. where he caught it, like, just up the baseline, drove baseline, and then went up like he was going to shoot, dropped it off for a dunk. Well, 90% of the time in the past, he has shot that, right? Right. And generally, that's not a shot he makes a lot of. So, they are running offense. Dave is a ball stopper. Jeremiah is a ball stopper. Landers is less of a ball stopper, but still kind of a ball stopper. So it is very hard to run offense when your main three perimeter guys are guys that stop the ball, right? Right. Like, that's that's just the reality of it. Yeah, I mean, Dave the, stops the ball. He gets into his dribble game and, and yeah. you know, works the shot that way. Jeremiah takes the shot or Landers. takes two dribbles and takes the shot. Yeah. Landers. We're still figuring out, I think. We're still figuring out what Landers' game is. One, two, we're still... Guys are still trying to adjust the fact that Landers tries to make some tough passes. And he's got some guys that can't catch those tough passes on the other end. But that's why against Ohio State, the ball stopped. Because it got to guys that just stopped running the offense. Like, the offense is still running. If you watch the game... The players aren't stopping and watching. The offense is running while they stand there with the ball. That's one guy being a ball stopper. 
that's not the offense not being uh, like in place. The offense is in place. One guy has just decided, okay, I've got the ball now, and the offense stops right here. They didn't do that in the second half. When they didn't do that in the second half, guess what? The offense look a lot better. <laughs> yeah. I I but I, I get it because again, this is something I had to deal with as I was starting this job, Dave. I thought I knew a shit ton about basketball. And then I started sitting with Hep Cronin and watching basketball practice and realized I didn't know any, like I wasn't seeing what was happening. Right. Why? Because when you watch basketball, what do you do? You just watch the person with the ball. You watch the person with the ball and you're not paying attention to any of the other things that are happening. So if you're watching a team with ball stoppers, you know what you think? They're not running any offense. No, they're just got some guys that aren't going to pass. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it, it is what it is. I get it. Like, I understand why people are frustrated by it because they're watching what's actually happening. Like, the ball is where it's happening more often than not. But it's not – what they're complaining about is not a result of what's actually happening. What they, what they should be complaining about is, hey, why didn't you catch it, take two dribbles, draw the defense, and make a pass for a dunk? Because that's what the offense was designed – to have happened. Mm-hmm. Instead, you caught it, you took one dribble, or you caught it, stared a guy down for three seconds, and then shot a contested flat-footed shot in his face that missed. That's bad offense, of course. I agree. But that doesn't mean the design of the offense it was bad. It meant that the guy with the ball in his hands made a selfish play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that part just drives me nuts. No. Uh, I agree. I th- you know, I think it's with Landers now and Dave, you know, I don't know if, if he's kind of w- willing to morph his role a little bit, but like, I feel like JD can take advantage of some things and kind of be more of a, a slashing type of guy versus a standstill and, but shooting guy, and he's not, he's not great off the bounce, is kind of, but I just mean like him, like his movement, not necessarily like he just kind of floats. And because the other two guys are going to be mainly around the perimeter, yeah. And then you can, you can get the standstill shots off of them when they try, you know, try to create a little bit. And you just can't have three guys that kind of not do the same thing, but. Kind of play. They all three catch the ball and just like kind of stand when they catch the ball. Right. And like at the high at the highest major level, especially like against a Chris Holtman team, like Ohio State last night. If you give them, like if you catch the ball and hesitate for a second and a half, you know what happens? Everybody's all the rotations are back where they're supposed to be. Like you, everybody recovers, everybody is set. You're not getting anybody out of position. It's very easy to play defense when you just stay when when the when three of your guys just kind of like don't move a lot. Right. Well, they all move a lot without the ball. It's just as soon as they catch it, everything stops for them. Right. And and then you can just say, okay, I got him, I got him. Like they're still running off screens and still running the motion backside part of the offense, 
But if the ball's not moving, then they're just essentially in help side defense. I mean, obviously we want him to have more than three points and shoot better than one for seven. But like, if I got like eight to 12 points and roughly the same floor game from JD, I think that'd be perfectly fine. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's not, he's not the best. I mean, he can get super hot, but he's not the best shooter. And if you're going to have two guys that, that, you know, Dave and Landers with 18 for 31. Now that's probably a little bit more than what they normally would do. If they're going to make 18 of 31, go 18 of 31 every night. I'll take it. Just, but just <laughs> say it's 15 of 31 or 14 of 31. That's still good right. considering they're going to shoot it. I mean, they shot 22 threes and made 11. So, I mean, yeah. they're going to shoot high volume threes. So you don't need JD to be a high volume shooter. You need him to get six rebounds, get five assists, get two steals. Get to the freaking foul line again. We don't get to the line at all. Five free throws on the entire night against Louisville. Like that's like that's, that's where I see do, that's where I see them where he can help the team the most is yeah. is being that that type of a player. Now I don't know if that's in his game. I don't know if that's in his head. If that's what he wants to to be. But like you know, if he can give me five boards a night. Six boards a night. Be be a facilitator, you know, from a wing position. You know, don't let the ball. You know, he his his go to is get the ball if the shot's not there, pound it into the floor a couple times, and then still shoot it. Right. Okay. So we've got some good questions here. If DDJ is a ball stopper, does that end the discussion of point guard minutes? Um. I think it does the opposite. It makes him then be more of a distributor. Well, yeah. Well, but isn't that the problem on a team that's devoid of, like, you have two scorers. You have Dave and you have Landers. So if you ask him to stop being a ball stopper and be more of a point guard, you're taking the risk of of him going from the ability to score 26 points to his ceiling being, what, 15? Right. No, that's what, and that's what we saw, you know, last year. Two years ago. Well, two years ago, two years ago. When they, they, they forced him into playing point right. guard. It's a give and take because then you're probably a better rebounding team though, if he's at the point, but how probably. much, but how much better are you really going to be? Right. Versus, and versus the, the taking it, you know, the deduction in what he, you know, his scoring. You're asking him not be. to th- you're asking him not to think about being on the floor to score. If you're asking him to play point guard, that was the, that was the great struggle with when he first got here is they were asking him and he was willing. It it wasn't like he was fighting it. Like I want, he he was willing to be like, okay, I want to be, I'll be your point guard and I'll look for assists and I'll move the ball. But now I'm not, because his best, there, I've never, like, this isn't something you see is really, I, I can't remember the last time you see had a guy that their best shot was the step back jumper. Yeah. And the way he sets it up and he gets guys off balance and he gets them a little bit like where he's going to go downhill. They take a one step back. He takes two steps back and hits a step back jumper in your face. There's been a lot of guys that have taken a lot of step back jumpers 
in their time in Cincinnati. She hadn't been a lot of guys that made them. <laughs> Dave is uncanny at his ability to make the step back jumper. But in order to make the step back jumper, you have to be a ball stopper. Yeah. And then set it up. To, you have like by definition to set it up. And it's hard to, to do stopper. if you're a point guard because in the flow of the set, you don't right. know if the ball's going to come back to you necessarily and to, to do something like that. And then the next question, does that mean Wes just has to live with it because you need their scoring? Yes. Yeah, basically. Let let me ask you this, Norbeck BC. What did it look like when Dave DeJulius scored one point and Landers Nolly scored two points against Ohio State? (laughs) They just don't have a roster where those guys can even – I mean, obviously you can't – nobody has a roster where your two best players can score three combined points. But, like – Right. They don't have a roster where those two guys can score 20 combined points. Well, it's like we talked about with Ohio State with Bryce Sensible. He scored two points in the first half last night. And Ohio State's offense was still fine. And then he scored 15 points in the second half, or 17 points in the second half, whatever it was. And all of a sudden, Ohio State went from a close game to winning by 28. Well, and, and Sean McNeil did the same thing. He had two in the first half and 20 in the second half. Right. So, like, that's – yeah. You, if in, you have in – the, In their first game, I think. Yeah, yeah, in their first game. He didn't do much against Cincinnati, but yeah. that's because other guys did. And then guess what happened tonight? They had a guy score 33. So, you're night to night to night, Ohio State's got – Six, seven guys that we haven't talked about. Zed Key, six, seven guys, five, six guys that can score on any given night 20, 22, 33 points. Cincinnati's got two, three, maybe with, with JD. And have a game like they did. I mean, with I, last night or yesterday afternoon, whatever the hell it was, Jeremiah hit two threes to start the game. First minute, minute and a half. He scored two points the rest of the game. You know what those two points were? Technical foul free throws for flopping. So outside of those two threes he hit to open the game, he scored two points, and DeJulius and Nolly combined for three. They scored five points out of the first 90 seconds of the game between their three biggest offensive threats. You are going to get your ass kicked. Every time that happens. Yes, you are. (laughs) And look, it sucks because when they're cold, anyone can beat us. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Look, I I agree. Like, you're missing missing what I'm saying, Norbeck. In the second half, there was more ball movement. And that's why the offense looked better. There are ways for you to do that even with two ball stoppers, but it requires Mike Adams-Woods, Jeremiah Davenport, like those guys to be the guys that are willing to say, okay, I'm going to take two dribbles, draw the defense and pass. Yeah, I mean, they had the dunk, the couple dunk downs for dunks. It's like, if you're going to take the two dribbles, that can't result in a bad shot or a stop, stop and holding turn the ball around. and then turn. It has to be right. an aggr- like a a forward two dribbles and an aggressive an advancing dribble and you know to where you're forcing somebody else besides the person that's guard that's guarding you to make a decision. 
to say, do I need to come help or not? Because that's the problem is the a lot of the times the dribbling that they do, it doesn't make the other four guys playing defense do anything different. They can still basically guard their guy. You're not, you're not, you're not making, forcing help. You're right. not like, that's how you beat a defense with ball movement. You force help and then you beat the help. So, yeah, I mean, they, they're going to go through nights of the, the mid, bad shooting. I mean, they're just not that good of a, you know, a shooting team to not do it. You hope that they don't have these wild swings of, you know, 17 threes and then the second half tonight versus the whole, you know, Ohio State game and the second half of NKU. Like, you can't have these massive disparities but it's gonna happen. It's just a matter of like, can you get to the line a little bit more to supplement that? Can you rebound a little bit better to supplement that when you're not, you know, when your two best players aren't shooting fifty percent from three on on twenty two, uh, twenty two attempts. Uh, Bearcat twelve says my concern is I don't know if these players have the ability to do those things against better competition. Me either. Uh, I think it's more of a Jimmy's and Joe's case than X's and O's. That's what we talked about right off the jump. I watched this team play Arizona. I watched this team play Ohio State. And I walked away with the very sobering reality that they have a whole bunch more better players than UC does. Like one through nine, one through 10. You know, maybe UC's got guys that that are, are competitive one through three, one through four. But Wes has not had a chance to build the middle to the back of that roster yet. Because it was that's where it got that's where it got bad is when it was, you know, the the four, five, six guys against their four, five, six guys. And their four, five, six guys were significantly better. Yeah, the problem is when you when you're if your starters aren't, you know, your main guys aren't on on one from the jump. And then you have to take them out because you obviously can't play them the entire game. And the other team brings in their bench guys. There's not as big of a drop-off between their bench guys and our bench guys. So you, There's not as big of a drop-off between their bench guys and their starters. I well, that's what, right. That's what I meant to say. But yeah. yes, I mean, like, that's when you get the, you know, when you're, that's what I've noticed is like you're down four, five, six, something like that, and then you have to change the subs. And the subs are never just keeping it steady until you can put your main guys back in. It's always going to 10, 12, 14. Right. Something like that. All right, we got to get moving. Yes. We're we 46 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything to say about Temple. Do you? No. <laughs> okay. Just that I'm glad that they don't ever have to go back to Philly again. Yeah. Check another one off. They did what they needed to do. Yeah. Are no. you having a drink tonight, Dave? No, I'm drinking Gatorade. Why? It's it's the night before Thanksgiving. Because what am I going to do with a drink at 1040? Drink not, it? I'm not going to drink like 12 of them. <laughs> you should have started at 730 like I did. That was I was doing stuff. I, I've, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't get many chances to like actually like drink anymore. 
and I don't have to be up tomorrow until, you know, 10 or so. Yeah. So, so I'm having some beers tonight. Cheers, everybody. I'm sure I'll make up for it tomorrow. I also had to like make sure I started at 7:30 in case they lost. Because there was no chance I was gonna get to 9:30 and they lose, and I'm sober. <laughs> <laughs> There's, that wasn't gonna happen. That absolutely wasn't gonna happen. Uh Hensley fell off a cliff this journey. Yeah, he like that was it was a rough three days for him. Uh, b- but before we get done, I do want to say you gotta give Vic a lot of credit. This was the Victor Locking coming out party this week. That's the woman. I hope that's what we see going forward. Well, I mean, it was again, two of the games were Arizona and Ohio State, right? Like, yeah, I mean, and, State, and, but, but, uh, the one dude that I forget, you know, he's got the hyphen name, but like he transferred from Tennessee. He basically started every game for UT last year. Huntley, like, he's still, in ath- yeah, yeah, he's still an athletic big and, and can pose some problems. The rest of the team, not very good, but you know. Woof. Uh, but I mean, Vic, Vic rebounded. He made post moves. He, he was, he was intelligent. Like when he got the ball at 16 feet and there was nobody there, he was looking to go get a bucket. Like I, there was a light switch that went on with him. Like as the weekend or the week grew where the confidence was like, I can do this. Like I I'm now he's got to stop with the idiot fouls. His yeah. first foul on the sideline like three minutes, four minutes into the game, whatever it was, like he just bumped a guy standing on the sideline, like 40 feet from the rim. That's got to stop. They're going to call it every time. Yeah. He clearly bumped him. It was, it was. And like his fifth foul, I got a lot of people complaining about his fifth foul. You have four fouls and you've got a guy like coming into the lane and you get caught bent over with your hand in the cookie jar. Yeah, I mean, stay, I don't. Right, it's stay not solid. Stay up. Fifth foul wasn't can, bad. Right, like, well, fifth foul was bad on Vic. If that's what you're saying, I agree. I yeah, I think it was like I I didn't love the call, but you can't put yourself in that situation when you have four fouls because you know they're going to call that. You know, right. anytime a big reaches in on a guy cutting on a pass like that, they're never going to be like, oh yeah, he got all ball. Like they're always gonna call that. Well, so, and he did get all ball, but the 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 ball handler continued into his body. Which is what happens when you put your hand in the cookie jar like that. Yeah, so you just can't you can't in your fourth foul, you have to just when you have four fouls, you just kinda have to play it totally safe and wall up and hope that the guy doesn't make a move or doesn't make a shot. Like you can't can't be aggressive like that. DDJ and Nolly have to get to the foul line until they do so with regularity. You see why I have wild swings of inconsistency. I, I agree, but I don't know what about either of those two in their games say they're going to do yeah. a lot of fouls. I don't I don't know what about their games. You don't says. get a lot of foul calls if your go-to move is a step back 18-footer. Right. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a move that and, – and Dave has drawn fouls on that. Because guy, when he gets guys to jump, then he'll he'll get into them. Right, but that's but, like once every other game. Right. The refs are terrible. I, I like. I don't care. Uh, Jizzle had thirty eight in the game tonight. Great for Jizzle. Uh, <laughs> let's go to. Uh, we got to get to Tulane. We're fifty minutes in. 
I know you guys, the basketball game just ended. I know. I know. This will be lo- lovely, uh, lovely podcast tomorrow when everyone's driving to their families for Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know, dreaming of all the terrible food they're about <laughs> to eat. We'll get to some Thanksgiving. I want to get we, to some Thanksgiving. We can definitely get into end. my my takes on that later. You're not a Thanksgiving guy at all. You hate Thanksgiving. Hate it. Hate it. You hate. Not, this is not an act. Dave no. fucking hates Thanksgiving. You don't do Thanksgiving. Well, I mean, we do. I mean, but you don't I, do American Thanksgiving. No, I made a, Rachel and I made a lasagna tonight. That's what I'll be eating tomorrow. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, Tulane. I'm terrified. I'm not. Okay. That makes me feel a little bit better. I mean, I, I guess here's the question. How many points or what? what is Nippert worth? Lately, this year, a touchdown. I'll go a touchdown. Okay. If Nippert's worth a touchdown, I'm not sure what you're worried about. You don't think so? They've they've averaged twenty seven points this year at Nippert. I don't think I I would be surprised if the winner of this game gets more than twenty four. Okay, so you think if they get to twenty seven, that's it? Um, I guess I talked to somebody about this today in the athletic department, and um, we were you know, just shooting the shit, like having a casual conversation. And I said, "Look, I worry about the two lane defense." Because, and, and maybe this is, you can tell me this is me overreacting or not. They shut down Kansas State. Shut down Kansas State. And Kansas State is the number one offense in the Big 12. They did. That concerns yeah. me. But they also looked like absolute dog shit on against UCF. Yeah. Defensively. And... Um, yeah, and then they scored 17 points. Kansas State has a good defense, but like, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you want to talk first? Like, their offense, their defense, or like, let's ask the question that everybody is here for Does it matter to you if it's Evan or Ben when you talk about who you think is going to win this game? Um, I, well, I'm looking at it strictly from uh, Evan as the is playing because. We know what the offense and everything looks like if Ben plays. Sure. Like, he's played 11, 10 and a half games. Like, I, I'm looking at it as, like, what do they do differently if Evan plays that they wouldn't be doing if Ben plays? And how does that affect their defense? So, their defense has two really good linebackers. And... They're, it's it's. I don't want to say it's weird. They're not. They're good. Like they're 16th in yards per play allowed. But other than that, like nothing jumps out to me is like a. This is why the defense is good. Um. So they're just like very sound. But they, they don't. They, they show don't, a lot of different looks, right? They don't get to the passer, and they don't create plays in the backfield. And I think if. Okay. If Evan is the quarterback, that is a huge plus for us. Because they struggled with John Rice Plumlee. Well, they are seven. They have 17 sacks this year, which is 105th in the country, and they're 112th in tackles for loss. So they're not this, like, uber-aggressive 
playing on your side of the line of scrimmage type of, of front. Okay. Now their linebackers, Dorian Williams, four sacks, Nick Anderson, a sack and a half, linebacker Darius Hodge, four sacks. So like their linebackers are the ones getting the sacks. I mean, that's nine and a half out of 17 right there. Yeah. So to me, it's from our standpoint, it's how do you change the equation? How do you make them account for Evan as a runner? Like, you have to have plus one in the run game to make them play a similar game to what they did against John Rice Plumley and UCF, and they had no answer. And obviously, John Rice Plumley is a different player than Evan. They're, you know, he's got the experience of starting all year and, and all the things that go into that, but like, He's the only real running quarterback that they've played this year. To in that in that vein, like I like guess when RPO, they, read I guess when they played Kansas State, they brought Adrian Martinez is a runner, yeah. and they have Deuce Vaughn, and um, <clears throat> so they have to be able to, I think, have like at least ten plus designed runs for him. And, and just do things off of that and, you know, runs with Trey, get the, you know, just they're, they're already going to be getting a bunch of different looks because Evan hasn't really given anybody looks yet if he's, if he plays. Yeah. But yeah. I, I have to think on the flip side, Tulane is going to show everything in their arsenal. Yeah. But that won't be anything different than what he, he hasn't seen anything. So what is that? Well, that get, like, it's much easier to play against a defense that just like is set and you know what you're looking at as opposed to a defense that looks is looking to mix everything up and try to confuse you. Right? I guess. I mean, if you've never seen anything, isn't it all confusing? Come on, Dave. <laughs> Come on. You're rationalizing very clearly now. How how is their how is their pass defense run defense split? Uh, let's see, what did I have here? They are. That's the thing is they're not like they're in like the forties in both nationally. They're not. They've just been been really sound and. They don't, you know, they don't get a lot of, a ton of interceptions. It's, it's not, they're not like <clears throat> shutting you down. And I think in the past game, they do some stuff with their, with their DBs, you know, moving guys around, giving different looks in that sense. Um, but they're, you know, if you're only producing a low number of sacks, it's not like you're showing all these different, blitzes and and stunts and and overloads and pressures that teams aren't able to account for but they mix coverages they mix like yeah, back I would stuff. say it's more more coverage than it is stuff with the front seven so explain this to me because I'm I'm gonna act like a a fan that doesn't pay attention to a lot of this stuff they don't sack the quarterback. They don't get tackles for loss on running plays and they don't create and generate turnovers. 
but they are still a top 30, 40 defense. Yeah. Explain that to me. I'm trying. I mean, third down, <laughs> third down defense is 49th. Thread zone defense is 64th. Um, okay, this doesn't make any damn – none of what you're saying makes any damn sense. Uh, I know. I know, okay. man. I'm, I'm – I mean, in all – total defense, yards per play, they're 16th. 4.87 yards per play. So that's where they're great. Yeah. I mean, just on a play. They may play. not, they may not, they may not get you in the backfield, but they get you at the line of scrimmage, basically. Like r- rush defense. They are in average yards per carry 48. Like that's fine. It's not, it's 3.83. Like it's good. It's not like, Holy cow. Pass defense. Uh, I usually go by like opponent rating. Like they're 39th. So they're they're good good there, but like we're 11th. In rush defense, yards yards per rush. We're 14th. Like basically their defense is really good and then we're as good or better in like every metric like you know if you go by sp plus we're 20th they're 27th uh offense we're 66 they're 48 defense they're 15 <coughs> i'm sorry we're 15 they're 31st now there is a bigger discrepancy in like sagarin efficiency things like that but that's not a surprise we haven't been efficient offense all year right so like Sagarin we're basically tied they're 38th we're 39th FPI we're 33rd they're 32nd I mean it's going to be a very close game I just think it's a low scoring game and I think we do have the advantage in punting which we have the advantage in punting over everybody that we play pretty much everybody I mean like Mason averages about six and a half six almost seven yards per punt more than their punter so in hidden yards, you see, and that's where, like, I think the special teams advantage should be significant here for UC. Yes, in the in the I don't know how this is calculated. SP plus special teams were 16th and they're 77th. Right. But I mean, everything. I don't for, understand how UC is only 16th. Everything for them to me starts and ends with Tajay Spears. They're running back. He's very much like Keaton Mitchell. Almost a thousand yards, twelve touchdowns, six point four yards a carry. They have two other running backs that'll play significantly. Both have rushed for over three hundred yards this year. So let's let's before we get to their let's let's set the stage for their offense. They basically run a shotgun read option, triple option, right? Mm, yeah, it's it's less it's kind of like Coastal Carolina. They will throw it. It's not really. I would I would say it's just more of like a shotgun read option. Re, yes, it's not. It's not like a triple. They're not like motioning guys, and and the quarterback isn't moving to pitch and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's a run heavy offense. That they, you know, Tajay Spears has 
speed to get outside. You have to do a good job containing him like they did in the first half against Keaton Mitchell and not in like they did in the second half. I mean, he's got trash. He's got trash. some crazy some crazy games and some crazy stat lines where he's got like eight carries for 115 yards, stuff like that. Um you know, they're Michael Pratt only throws the ball on average 24 times a game. So if you're talking 60 70 if not more snaps, right? <laughs> they're a two-thirds running team. Yeah. They have three receivers that each have 27 catches. That's the most on the team. But all three of them average at least 15 yards per catch. So they hit you like they they lull you to sleep with the run game and then hit you in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, he's 65% passing, 20 touchdowns, four interceptions. He has been sacked 21 times. So you can get to him. And he is a runner. And he has nine rushing touchdowns, but it's more out of scrambles than it is like design stuff. Yes. So you do have to keep an eye out for that. Um, tight end has five touchdowns, so that's <clears throat> excuse me, something to to worry about. We don't really face very many tight ends in this conference that produce to that level. Yeah, uh, Tyler. Uh, he says I've seen different metrics. UC ranked in top ten in special teams. Yeah, that's why I just don't trust SP plus special teams. <laughs> that's all I was saying with that. Having some fun with it. It's all good. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Right, you don't know. I don't know. And I, from what I've watched in the special teams, it's hard to believe there's 15 teams that have had better special teams this year. Yeah, than see. I'm sure a bunch of it, like I'm sure returns come into effect a lot. Like if you have a team that's returned a couple punts or return, like. But Ryan Montgomery has has been super effective as a punt returner. Oh, for sure. But if you if, in college football anymore, like if you were able to return two punts for a touchdown, like what teams gonna, have two punt returns for a touchdown? I don't know. Here, I'll tell. I'll tell you. Okay. I don't believe there's any punt returns. Uh, UCF has two. Oregon State has a guy with two. TCU has a guy with two. Louisiana Lafayette has a guy with two. Shit. <laughs> are those teams all ranked ahead of uc in special teams well, this, this doesn't make this doesn't make any sense the ucf guy it says he has one return for 48 yards and two touchdowns how is that possible <laughs> i'm sensing some shenanigans here here punt return touchdowns san diego state has returned three there we go <clears throat> Alabama, Alabama, Oregon State, Kansas State, South Carolina, Louisiana, Lafayette, Bowling Green, TCU, UCF, MTSU, Army, and Virginia Tech have each returned two. Punts for touchdowns. I would have lost that bet in historic fashion. <laughs> I would have set the over-under at two and a half and taken the under. It was like ten. Yeah, you, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so it's it's the it's the same formula it's been. Be better on third and down in red zone because the red zone's been awful from a touchdown standpoint. Now they do a good job converting, but they not touchdowns. You're on mute. Um, but like their third down offense, thirty nine percent. That's not great. <laughs> Man, I can't stop coughing. 
Excuse me. You're on mute, sir. The UCF guy had two touchdowns on one return, Brian says. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. If you can do that, if you can figure out a way to get 14 or, you know, 12 points on one touchdown or one, one punt return. It's like the uh... – it's like the the mega sh ball in the like uh, old MTV uh, Jock right. Jams games. Right. <laughs> he returned it from the coffin corner, so they gave him two. Yeah, but if they can build off of, they can continue the third down defense because their third down offense is is a little better than middle of the road. Their red zone offense, they get to the red zone a lot. They've got fifty five trips, thirty nine touchdowns, so that's fortieth. Um, they keep you out of the red zone. They've only allowed 29 trips, 59 touchdowns or 15 touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And we we're better off when we don't go to the, don't get into the red zone. So <laughs> yeah, you see wants to score from 21 yards out, but both of the, I mean, like, obviously you see not run the ball. Well, they want to, but they, they can't or they, you know, whatever. Yeah. But this is a defense. This is a, a you know, that same type of <clears throat> alignment that they ran against Temple. I could see that some more. I mean, this is like a get all your best dudes on the field, stop the run, and, and get them in passing situations and turn the boys loose and see what happens type of thing. Right. And it's figure out a way to run the ball get Evan involved in the run game. If he's the quarterback, make them have to account for him. Like you just have to make them think of him as a, as a true extra player, basically as a true runner. He has to keep the ball on RPOs. He has to <clears throat> or read options. He has to do those things to make them account for him or it's no, or it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Right. You're just sacrificing passing with a guy that's not going to, you know, use that if you don't allow him to use that part of his game. Right. I. He has to play fearless, right? I thought he played a little scared at times. I, I know there was some promise in how he played last week against Temple. But I thought when they – when pressure was anywhere near him, he was he was just content. I'm gonna take the sack. I think he's got to be a little bit more confident this week. Oh yeah. But I'm as just... you said, Temple Temple is one of the the best sack teams. Their defense is trash, but they create a lot of havoc. Right. And and Tulane does not do that. No, they don't. And I think too a lot of that is the situation like no reps leading up to the game. Yeah. Coming in the second half of the game, essentially like there's, there's only so much, you know, and the lead in a game that it's way more important to just win than to see what he can do. See, see, you know, how much of the playbook he can handle along those lines. Like, they weren't losing that game as long as he didn't, you know, screw it up, do some dumb, dumb shit. So, right. And he did. He took the sacks. He, he, 
played within what they were asking him to do. Right. John White says this could be a trajectory defining moment for Evan. Absolutely. If he plays and he gets UC to the conference championship game, that absolutely changes his trajectory, right? Because then what? He beats a ranked team to get UC to the conference championship game. That is a trajectory-defining moment. Absolutely. How different is Ben Bryant's trajectory if he beats Memphis at Memphis in 2019? Doesn't that change the trajectory of Ben Bryant? Oh, yeah. If he if he has to play, if Ben can't go, and Evan plays well, and Cincinnati wins, of course that changes the trajectory. Of yeah. course. Um, I, just, you're, I, just... I think you're going to disagree with Tyler here because <coughs> I don't see this being a game that Cincinnati can run, basing it off the Kansas State game. I mean, I don't really look. I was just, in fact, looking at the just, just the box score stats. So obviously there's way more to it than that. I don't know how they beat Kansas State. Pratt threw two interceptions. Kansas State ran for almost 200 yards. Uh, didn't turn the ball over from what I can see. Now, Adrian Martinez didn't have a very good game. He was like 50% for 150 right. yards. Uh, but, like, it wasn't like – it was clearly just like a nobody did much of anything. And, you know, we they put two – they scored two touchdowns and Kansas State only scored one, which is, yeah. I mean, I can see that game happening. That type of a game happening. Like, I think it can be like a neither team can really get anything going from a sustainable drive standpoint. And you kind of play this field position game to see who breaks first. And we would assume that they would break first in that sense because our special teams has been what it's been. And that's the worried thing, though. Like, are you going to get the explosion plays with with Evan that you would get from Ben in the passing game? Or is this going to have to be, you know, a, a different style of running game? Like, the running game hasn't worked, but I don't think you're going to see the same type of a running game if Evan's the quarterback. No, it's going to be a completely different style of running game because there's going to be a <laughs> a threat to also run like the ends aren't going to be able to crash. Like you're going to have to have a guy, but, which is why he has to keep the ball on, which I felt he could have kept some in the temple game. And maybe there were at least two in the temple game. I thought the end crashed and he had, the but at the same time, he very well could have been told, like, just give the ball to the running back. Sure. But on tape this week yes. is going to be okay. He can't do that this week. They have. Right. They can't just tell him like, just give the dive, give the dive. Like we're not, we're gonna win. We don't. We're not worried about it. Like he has to keep some of them if he plays. Do they go back to Brian if Prater plays and wins? Tyler, let me make something very clear. <laughs> if Ben Bryant is healthy, healthy. He's, he's the starting playing. quarterback. That is not in question. I know you guys want it to be in question. It is not in question. So if Evan wins this week and Ben is healthy for UCF next week, Ben Bryan is the starting quarterback. That is Luke Fickle. That's who he is. What's, what's up, Mike Beers? 
Dana? Dana? No, Mike. It's Mike. Cousins. Hey, Mike. Cousins, yeah. Did you see um, Dana? Did you see Dana's tattoo? He, he got the bear cat <laughs> with Skyline Chili. He's nuts. The, the dude I, mean, is I, nuts. Hope, I hope he got some sort of like deal with Skyline off of it. Like, I, yeah, I would hope. I'm going to ink up my body with your spaghetti chili. Uh, Tyler, there has been RPO in the offense all year. In the red zone. No, all year. Oh, I just see zone read. I thought it said red zone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's RPO what Tyler Scott, is. RPO Tyler is Scott's a massive part of that, this offense. Was on that. RPO stands for run pass option. That, that but here's the thing. That type of play scares me with Evan more than it would scare me with Ben. Because that yeah, type of because... play is the one where the linebacker just sits there and you don't see him and you just throw it right to him because he's inside on yeah. on that glance route. And John Rice Plumley did that against ECU. Like didn't even didn't even just, like just like, pulled it, threw it, and the yep. linebacker was standing there waiting for it. Yeah. So zone read or or read option is Either hand it off or run it. RPO is hand it off or keep it and throw it. They're two totally different things. Ben has played and 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 been asked to do a ton of RPO this year. He just hadn't been asked to do any zone read or or read option because that ain't that ain't working. They, they tried it a couple times. No, it was I made think, very clear in those I couple think times from a run game he, standpoint. You will see a Desmond Ritter style of running game. Yes, I think we'll, it'll be more of the Desmond Ritter offense, and yeah. not Des twenty twenty one because Des in twenty twenty one was not keeping the zone read. No, he was running what seven eight times a game, and four or five of those were like scrambles. Like yeah, he, he, he was, was not a running quarterback in twenty twenty one. He was told. I mean, I'm gonna guess he was told like, uh, you're or gonna... he told them, <laughs> "I'm not getting hit like I did in 2019." Well, no, they probably and said like, "We're not losing I'm, you I'm, on a on a play like that." You know, we're not taking. I'm making a, chance. a joke about just, 2019. Just give it to our running back that ran for you know 15. Yeah, give it to the yards. NFL running back. Yeah. So. I mean, I think the, the, the tight end rollout is not necessarily a zone read, depending on which which version of it they run. It's no. a it's a RPO because there's a run pass option. That's what RPO stands for, run pass option. So of course that play is an RPO because the quarterback has the ability to either run it. Or pass it, RPO, run pass option. Zone read or or read option is the quarterback deciding. He reads the end. Gonna... If the end crashes, he's right. supposed to keep it. If the end widens out, he's supposed to hand it off. Like, it, are those two a little bit cloudy because there is a play action involved? Yeah, because in you, can run, you can run that play with Wiley or Lenny coming across the formation and, hand it off to the, to and the still back. hand it off and he can block, he can glance that, that end. Right. So you could hand it off. You could keep it and then you know, run to the side and still then throw it to the tight end if you wanted to. But that's not zone read. That's not. No. 
it's not what no. you're what you're thinking it is. Those are two different things. But anyway, this game, like I'm gonna do it again. Like you beat beat them in Nipper, and then I will believe that they will get beaten in Nipper. I'm not picking them to lose this game. No chance in hell. I they have way is... they have now talent is not everything, but like they have way more talent than Tulane. Yeah. Tulane looked, let's get back to UCF. Tulane looked slow against UCF. They looked like they had no idea what they were doing either. And then we're not going to see the same thing as UCF, but like that was the startling part was the magnitude of that game at home with the chance to basically, I mean, they, that was to lock up, you know, essentially lock up the conference. At least going to the conference title game. Like, that was alarming to me was how, like, unprepared they looked for what UCF was trying to do and how unathletic they looked compared to UCF, which UCF will do that to a lot of people. No. But I was more floored of, like, the, the not stepping up to the moment type situation. So where do, what, what does that mean for Friday for them here? There's, there's going to be an immense amount of pressure on them in their first time in this situation, for sure. For sure. And we don't know. Like, is, 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 this, is this now going to be, like, with UCF, Houston, Cincinnati leaving, is this now going to be, like, the next wave of, like, this is the big-time program that, like, controls this conference going forward? <laughs> Or are they not going to be ready for prime time? I think that's an absolutely fair question. Absolutely fair question. I do too. Jason wants to know if they run man or zone mainly, Dave. I have no idea. <laughs> this is the this is the the bad part of the whole like not. We caring. haven't played them in forever. Well, the not we played them last year. Well, but I mean like. They were terrible last year. Like yes, that game went, wasn't they even went two and ten. They were playing yeah. like a third string quarterback. Um, no, this is the this is the bad part of like the where this is our last year in this conference. Like, I don't give a shit enough about these teams to like watch <laughs> literally watch them enough to know whether they're DBs right. or you know if they're a man team, a zone team. Do they play a lot of cover two? Do they play a lot of cover three? Like. I'll probably want to know more of that next year, but sure. But I, yeah, I'm. This is not something that I've cared to to research too much. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, you're 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 going to pick Cincinnati. I am. What are you, what is your final score? Oh, my final score. Uh, my final score will be uh, Cincinnati 27, Tulane 24. Yeah, I th I'm somewhere in that range. Somewhere in that range. I don't know exactly where. Um, I, I'm still with you. Like, 
they're not the nipper championship on the line championship game on the line like you're the regular season champion in the conference you get the the home field advantage and and we know now because UCF was was ranked if you lose you're out that's it yeah you're going to Birmingham or Boston or back to the stupid military bowl like you're done so I'll have my prediction tomorrow. Um, but I'm with you. I, I I can't see I can't see a Cincinnati loss. I just can't. Um Simone family tailgate. No idea. No idea. You have nothing. You got nothing. <laughs> nope. Has not has not been a, a, a conversation uh that we've had yet. So I don't know what it is. The weather looks like it will be uh, will be good. The rain appears to have moved out early morning, um, and we might even see a little sun, a little like high forties, low fifties. Yeah, my which, which for the end of November, I'm not going to complain about that one bit. Uh, you know, so I know, you know, part of me is like, God, it'd be great if it was like 14 degrees, that would, that would bother them. And, you know, if Evan's going to be the quarterback for the passing game is not going to be as big of a, uh, factor, yeah. factor, but I, you know, selfishly, I'm glad that it doesn't look like it's going to be raining all day. And, uh, let's we're just looking put, at put our dudes up at... against their dudes and see what happens. Uh, weather.com right now says 53 morning clouds will give away to sunshine for the afternoon. Oh, oh, breaking news. Breaking what? news. Breaking news. What? Breakfast tailgate. Mom's listening. She has just texted me. Breakfast tailgate. <laughs> breakfast tailgate. Um, Everybody was probably try... thinking I was going to say something else when I said breaking news. Well, I mean, this is important. I know, much more important than anything else I would say breaking news about. Uh, are we, like scrambled eggs? Probably sausage. some sort of like egg casserole, you know, hash brown casserole type thing. Donuts, bagels, the you know, mimosas, Bloody Marys, obviously jello shots. I think I got a picture the other day of looking at like 200 jello shots for, for, for Thanksgiving. Oh, oh, that's right. You guys do the like a walk. We, or... do, we got the double jello shots Thanksgiving and then the yeah. day after. Uh, Lambic says tortillas, Dave. And I agree. Like breakfast tacos, breakfast burritos. Just I... put just put the egg, the breakfast stuff in a tortilla, mom. She's listening. Maybe she will. I don't I don't care. I'm just there to drink beer and do jello <laughs> shots and watch football. <laughs> You know what I want to do? Like after uh, the other night we did, uh, I did green chili enchiladas. I bet a green chili breakfast enchilada with like some eggs and chorizo oh, yeah. would be phenomenal. No doubt. I have to try that sometime. No doubt. Um. All right. Uh, so that's that for the most part. Um. I think we need to get people ready for what's about to happen December 5th. I tried to start it today. I know you started a thread today. I want, I want 
what like the Dave Simone belief on what's really about to happen December 5th. Well, I, and for those that don't for those that are here and don't know, the transfer portal opens on December 5th. But that's I mean, that's the technical open date. It's right. it's open now. Like you can transfer if you're a grad transfer, you you're, can you're you can announce now. If there's a coach change, you're good. There's obviously like the whole thing of like people talking about tampering anymore. Like, come on, like, ev- like that's that's the whole that's like on the same level of like don't tweet at recruits. It's a violation. <laughs> like, if if you're not already lining up the guys that you want, then you're you may as well not even participate. You're thirty steps behind. Thirty steps behind. But yes, technically December fifth. The transfer portal for the FBS opens. And let's let's explain the second part of this. So I think for UC it's like it's like January 14th. Um but the window the reality closes is, January 18th. Uh, but I'm talking about for like to gain admission to UC. So if you enter the transfer portal, you're automatically eligible wherever you go. If you enroll by a certain date at that school, you are eligible to join the program and be active for the winter semester. So, which means you can participate in spring football, which means you can, you can truly become like part of the program and integrate yourself into the program to try to get ready to be like a contributing factor in the program for next season. So, December 5th to January 14th. But we are both of the belief that a whole bunch of this shit is going to happen real, real fast when the transfer portal opens December 5th. Because if you want to be enrolled at your new school when the spring semester starts, you don't, you no longer can, you know, because the window, you can. Make your decision whenever you want, but the window closes to actually get in at January 18th. But if you want to be in that next semester, you can't just sit around and tweet out all of these offers that you're getting. Right. Like you basically have to make up your mind within a couple of weeks. Yes. To make sure that everything, you know, is aligned and, and you can make the move and everything. So, yeah, there you know, there's going to be visit weekends just like there always are. I'm sure they'll be heavy with transfers because they're not really recruiting very many high school kids anymore for this class. So maybe that'll maybe that'll change if kids come back on the market because of coaching changes and we'll see how wild the the coaching carousel gets. So maybe that changes. But my understanding at this point is the focus is on the portal. Yeah. And guys, you don't have to worry about I, I I've heard no yeah. concerns about Brady Drogish. Uh Jason Hewlett, it doesn't feel like that's trending in a great direction. Um, I do think there's maybe an academic situation that could pop up with this class at some point. But really, right now, Hewlett is the only other guy that feels like 
things are bubbling. Now we're still two and a half weeks from signing day. So it's recruiting. We talked about this already. Who the fuck knows <laughs> between now and signing day? But I'm just telling you, Brady, I've had no indication. No, he, uh, yeah, I mean, the things are, um, are sideways with Brady. No, uh, I do. With Jalen Thompson flipping, that is not a name I've heard pop back up. Although, if I was him, I'd be looking at my options because that's that ain't going well. Did you see the, the thing today with Tuck? Yes, he, 100 grand. Yeah, well, 100 grand. He was supposed to like be the point guard. Yeah. That's how you really get your people that work for you to believe in you is to get a hundred grand bonus that's meant for them and to be like double birds. You ain't yeah. Get shit. Yeah. Tuck coming for that money. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think this is a prime time to, to hit the portal. You have a, a, you know, you're transitioning into a new conference. I think you have to look at your roster and look at, you know, how, where do we need some some more maturity? Where do we need Everywhere. some more? Right, but I'm, I'm just saying, like this is the time to do it. Where they're they've been very. I mean, they've they've been with. I mean, the portal's only they've been really active, with, but they've been. It's only really specific. been a thing for one year. Two, I would but, say two. But it wasn't like. But these new rules Not make like it this, totally right? different. Not like like it, it was still very much of like the old transfer model. Was was not you know the way that it is now. I agree. I so agree. well, you know, I just think they'll be more active. Um, now that doesn't mean that they're going to get guys. Like you don't just take guys to take guys. Like you, because also that's the other part about the portal now is that if you take a kid, his that's a scholarship for the fruition Remainder. of his career. Whether he if you makes, take if you take a redshirt freshman. He's on you. He's Even on if your he's not 85. on the team anymore, that still yeah. counts. He's he's on your 85 the rest of the way. Uh, do we want to make predictions? I, not yet. Because <laughs> I don't... It, part of it also has to do with, like, who Let, leaves. Let's take how, a wild guess. It also has to deal with how many who, who leaves, too. Yeah. A wild guess. Because you know they're going to have, you know, reality is they're going to have guys leave. Oh, I can give you a wild guess because I already started a in and out sheet. <laughs> don't don't let the people see it. Oh, I'm not going keep that, to. Keep that shit safe, Dave. Come on. Uh, I, I will say uh, I'm not going to give you predictions on numbers leaving okay i will say that they bring in seven transfers oddly enough without any like in and out sheet or anything seven was the number i had in mind <laughs> that's the number i settled at seven if I if I had to bet, okay, here's here's the phone one. Over under seven and a half. You're taking the under. You're taking the over. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but that's that's only because like <laughs> that's only because 
I think the number going out will end up being higher because, you know, we hear things, but like, that's, this is very like preliminary and like, you know, those, those decisions can, can change, change minds and, and there can be, you know, so that's, that's why I think that. I will also say I go over because there is a second window. After spring ball, sure. I mean, it's in April, so I I think the number is going to be seven, right? Because you could have a situation where a kid is fine right now, but then he goes right. through spring ball and he's like, "I'm third on the depth chart and I'm a junior, or whatever." Like, I'm going to transfer now, right? So then you get to the spring. Say you have two or three guys leave which is what happens every spring. And now you've got this two week transfer window where you can be like, all right, well, we got, we got three more to play with because the only number that matters now, this is important to remember for the people that aren't. And I like, it's hard for us sometimes to understand this, Dave, but there are a lot of people that don't or are new. I I wish I was, I wish I was them. They need like a, like they need everything put out there for them. Uh, there used to be a twenty like twenty five was it. You can't take any more than twenty five high school recruits transfers whatever. The NCAA changed it, and now the only thing that matters is you get eighty five scholarships on your team. That's all that matters. So if you hit eighty five. Like, by the start of the winter semester. Okay, you're good. But then you go through spring ball, and then all of a sudden, three more guys leave your program that you weren't expecting for whatever reason. And now you're at 82, which means you can go get three more. Like, now you're always, the only thing that matters is 85. 85 scholarship players. Um, I'll answer this one. Uh, percentage that are Mac level guys like Ivan, I it could be FCS. It guys. could be FCS guys, right? Like, like there are, there's, like those those guys are. There's a t- their window is already open, and I know they're already. Re- I mean, you got to remember, Dino Boyd was an FCS guy from Rhode Island. Answer questions for a second. James Tunstall was an FCS guy in a roundabout way from Stony Brook uh, through UConn. There's, I mean, there's FCS, there's an FCS receiver that had 1,300 yards this year that I think has already gotten 15 offers and he's been in the portal for like a day. So Mac, FCS, Power 5, like these guys are going to come from wherever they think they can, can help them from. Um any chance Prater looks at transfer options? Is he realistically going? I have no idea. I'm, I'm not going to, I can't speculate on any of the current guys looking to go out. I don't have those type of conversations. Um, that's Chad deals with that side of things, but we're not going to say one way or the other on anybody that's currently on the roster. Can we get through the next couple weeks? Right. Right. Like we don't even know, like, Come on, guys. Who do you think the Bearcats are targeting in the transfer portal? Michael Beers. There is a thread on this on the board. 
So I, I suggest you go check that out. Uh, and again, just a friendly reminder that Bearcat Journal right now through <laughs> Black Friday is 75% off for the year. So I don't think it gets much better than that as far as the discounts go. Enjoy uh, that, you knuckleheads. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's basically $2 a month. You can get Bearcat Journal for $2 a month right now. Do you see Mike Cummings looking for his guys in the portal, or is it more for skill positions in the portal? Yes and yes. <laughs> yes, those both, both of those things will happen. Uh, is Rayvon signing this weekend? Well, is Rayvon having his signing ceremony this weekend? Yes. Uh, Y'all need to do a live show with us members. That's what we do every week, right? <laughs> uh, whatever happened to the yeah. kid on the offensive line that went to school with Luther? Come on, Lambig. What do you think? Like, what do you think happened, happened Lambig? Uh, what do you think happened? But it, it it at least will be. Uh, a, I mean, I don't know if it'll be exciting because I don't know if like. The transfers don't do like it's not like a signing day type thing, but it'll at least bring like a little excitement to recruiting, which we haven't had in forever because every class has been done in the summer, done in the summer, and they've rarely had anybody decommit, and there's never any signing day surprises. <laughs> so, at least, like, if we have some official visit weekends, there'll be guys that. No one's really, you know, heard about because so, it's, not, it's not like we've been recruiting them for six months and then now they're coming on their visit when their season's over and stuff like that. This is what's going to be wild. The portal opens on December 5th, quote unquote. Like, yes, there are, but the portal officially opens on December 5th. Do you want to know how much is if you really want an indication on how much is going on behind the scenes across all of college football right now? Just wait and see how many transfers are on official visits. Three days later. Three days later. And if you come on an official visit and you don't commit, you may as well, like that guy's not coming here. Right. They're on to the next person. Right. Well, Unless, and, and the kid is on to the next school. Right. So, yeah. Like, if they don't if they don't commit, if they're not, you know, if they're not in, if, if they take a visit and they're not in, like, don't think that guy yeah. is done. Um, it, it, I know, but Lambic says, I know, but I had to ask. I remember saying the head coach was pissed. Yeah, he was pissed that what Luther did. Uh, but I, I don't think they're going to be dealing with I the way that they do things at that school is that they want the kids to wait all the way to the second signing period and to uh, not make any decisions in the window that most schools want decisions made. And so maybe that like maybe in some bizarro world, maybe that comes back around in February for the second signing day. But I doubt it. No, I think that they're, you know, an offensive lineman. I don't think that they're interested in signing any more high school offensive linemen. I will tell you this, Dave. 
that kid in person was that was a very large human being. So maybe. I don't know, maybe. But I doubt it. Is, I he, doubt it. is he like a 21-year-old very large human being that started two seasons of college football? No. But he <laughs> was like we know what my a Mike Cummings kid looks like. Yeah. That was what I envisioned a Mike Cummings kid look like. He was like six seven and looked like he was chiseled out of stone. Yeah. Like he was he got out of his car on his official visit, and I was like, what the shit was that? Like, <laughs> that kid's 18? Holy shit. Uh, where's Luther going to end up? Bearcat 12? I don't know, and I don't give a fuck. <laughs> no. Don't care. I'm not spending one waking moment wondering or or looking or trying to figure out where Luther's going to end up. No, but I mean, I mean, I think the, I think the positions are are obvious that they would be targeting. I mean, you're looking for O-line, D-line. O-line, D-line. You're probably looking at a tight end, uh, you know, with, with two guys with a lot of experience leaving and then some promising guys, but not a lot of experience at all. Right. Um, and then you're just looking for relationships and talent. You're looking at how can we <clears throat> better the roster and who do we have – an existing relationship with that we feel you know that's the other thing is like a lot of these guys you would think they'd have a relationship with but i think there's going to be so many guys that i don't know if that also holds true right um all right that's the that's the the transfer portal stuff one more question and jason cooper asked it so i'm going to direct it at you uh, because I don't think anything about it. You're the Stephen Godfrey guy. Uh, Chad, what do you think about Stephen Godfrey's talk about the Nebraska coaching search? <laughs> I think, here's what I think, Jason. I think Dave called me and told me about it. <laughs> and that is all I have thought about it. So I will let Dave handle this. I mean, I I put on the board what I thought about it. Like, So BearcatJournal.com, 75% off a year subscription. Yeah. Right now, if you're if you're here and you've been a fan of the podcast, you can get for for basically twenty five bucks. You can get a full year of Dave's thoughts on Stephen Godfrey's podcast. I mean, I, I think <laughs> that in, in a real quick way, because I'm not going to turn this into like a super big discussion. I mean, I think one Nebraska would be foolish not to try. Sure. Uh, uh, I think it doesn't make a ton of sense for Luke. And then I also think that Stephen Godfrey doesn't put names out just to put names out. So it's how are you, how do you kind of work all those things together? Right. That's fair. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's like anything more than that right now. I don't, we don't have any reason to think it's anything more than that. Um, you know, and but, if you're a Bearcat Journal member, the publisher of the Nebraska site showed up on the board and gave his thoughts. Yeah. And if you would like to know those thoughts, Bearcat Journal is available at 75% off for a full year uh, right now as our Black Friday sale. I just, Am I doing all right, Aaron? Yes. It's start. <laughs> what like about and subscribe. If you're here, like and subscribe. What about the Black Friday sale for Homefield? 
Uh, also a Black Friday sale for Home Field Apparel. Uh, make sure you hit up homefieldapparel.com and uh, check out the UC collection, which is phenomenal. Uh, I meant to go grab a shirt to wear, uh, but I forgot. So I'm just in my 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 crew neck. Uh, but they have great, great, great UC gear and my favorite hoodie, which is the the UC hoodie that's in the, the collection. So go get those as well. Homefieldapparel.com. Good job. You're the best. I try. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I think, you know, I look at these types of things obviously differently than most fans do. Um, you know, you, you take take the the info and you do your due diligence, but, you know, is it a little something? Is it a big something? I don't know. I'm I'm not real concerned. If it turns into a big something, then we'll talk about it. But like, it doesn't. I don't think it needs. It was just one, yeah, one comment of, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get to Dave's thoughts on Thanksgiving. It should be canceled. <laughs> it should be canceled. You That's... should still get the day off, and there should still be. Football. No, you get like most people get two days off, right? Uh, Thursday yeah. and Friday. Yeah. I. I mean. Your take is turkey is trash. No, right? I loved. I actually love turkey. I like it on sandwiches when it's cold. My take is that I enjoy all the traditional Thanksgiving sides, but I don't want them all at the same time because they all have the same consistency, and it's like Mushy. eating for babies and old people. <laughs> I don't disagree there. Uh, and I was, there was one, we did have a, an unfortunate situation uh, when, when my grandparents moved into their assisted living facility, uh, we thought it would be a nice gesture to go there as a family for Thanksgiving. Oh God. And it was, it was certainly a nice gesture. It was not a nice dinner. <laughs> and my brother and I from that moment on, we're kind of like, yeah, this isn't really our thing anymore. And it was also, you know, my other grandparents lived in New York and we used to go to this Italian restaurant that had like stations and buffet and you could get the traditional Thanksgiving food if you wanted. Sure. But then you also had the pasta, the pizza, the chicken wings, the prime rib, the the gnocchi, the all of that stuff. So we would just, my brother and I would just eat that. Uh, I hate to break it to you, Joshua, but none of the things that we eat were actually served at Thanksgiving. So we stole, we stole all those things too. And <laughs> uh, nope, I'm not a, not a parade guy, Crypt Keeper. I don't know what, you know, I'm just, I'm out. Like, I just want to watch football drink some wine and just eat like a like have a normal meal. I don't need okay, so I don't need mashed potatoes, mashed sweet potatoes, stuffing, creamed corn, uh bro like green bean casserole, broccoli cauliflower casserole. Like why do all of those things have ma macaroni and cheese? Why do they all have to be served at the same time? Well, it's because there's like 30 people at your family Thanksgiving and everybody's expected to bring something 
So, like, <laughs> so there was a period. Let me, let me, let me tell you this. There was a period where my family asked me to do the stuffing. And I don't like stuffing. Okay. So I was doing like uh, uh, cornbread stuffing, yeah. like like sausage and apple stuffing. Like I was doing some wild shit with the stuffing. Trying like, to get them to tell you like, don't do it anymore? Well, no, because I don't <laughs> like traditional stuffing. Right. It's just wet bread. Yeah. It's just mushy bread. Okay. So I was trying to like, like up the Ele- stuffing elevated. game in my family. Yes, I even did a year, Dave. And I would recommend a thousand percent everybody try this at some point in time. Take that wet, mushy shit that is supposed to be your stuffing, and you know what you do with it, Dave? What? You put it in a waffle iron. There you go. And you waffle that shit, okay? And then it goes down on the plate as the base, as a waffle. Yeah. Then a you waffle, put, then you a like stuffing waffle. Then you make like an old school, like high school turkey hot shot with some mashed potatoes. Right. Some turkey, some gravy on top of it. I could do it that. It was awesome. It was awesome. It's the best stuffing I've ever the, had. You're, you're, the best Thanksgiving that we've had lately was COVID. When I used COVID as an excuse for not <laughs> being able to go to family dinner, and we ordered Jeff Ruby's, and I made steak. You made steak, and, yeah. And crab legs, and uh, I made like I made mashed potatoes and cream spinach and like, but we did the whole Jeff Ruby thing. I was like, this is the best Thanksgiving. Like, I just used the pandemic as an excuse not to have to go eat all that stuff. If I had my way, I would do like a five rack bone in prime rib, smoked prime rib for Thanksgiving. Yeah, but. That shit is like $190. Oh, yeah. And I'm not paying $190 to feed my whole family prime rib. I did that once, and they weren't, like, they were still going for the turkey and the ham and the bullshit. I'm done spending $200. I'm not going to do this again. I'm not spending $200 to put a delicious smoked prime rib as an option when everybody was kind of like just glossing over the fact that I went to Jungle Gyms and got like <laughs> a, an awesome five bone prime rib and sliced it up for the whole family. And everybody was just like, eh, I'm here for turkey and stuffing. Like, all right, I'm done with y'all. I'm going to do the ham. So now I just, I'm doing the ham. I'm making a, a maple brown sugar bourbon glaze for the ham. I don't do ham I, either. Well, but I like so, but like you can get a ham for like 30 bucks, right? right. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing the ham. That's what I'm doing. Like, I'm trying, I'm tired of trying to elevate Thanksgiving for my family. So, like, my thing so, is, like, why don't you just like make the best things that you make? And isn't the point of Thanksgiving to like get everybody together, not necessarily like what you're eating? So, like, why can't you have like, you know, a beef tenderloin and all, you know, all these other like good things versus, you know, purees of baby food. And you know, my argument was stuffing. Everybody is like, what's your number one side at Thanksgiving? And they're like stuffing. And I'm like, why do you only eat that shit one time a year? If it's so good, you'd make it all the time. Right. And guess what? There is a generic, you could go get a box of stovetop and have stuffing at your house any fucking night of the year. And you know what nobody does? How is stovetop still in business? 
Like, what do you because want? Nobody to, buys. They, what do you, they what? have one day where they sell stovetop stuffing. Like, here, <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you and your spouse or your whatever, your significant other can't decide on dinner. Have you I mean, ever, has anyone ever said, God damn it, you know what I could really go for tonight is <laughs> some stuffing. stuffing. Well, they've said that, but it's never been about food. <laughs> well, true, true. That's what you get when it's 1147 at night. But uh, but yeah, like uh, that's like all the other elements of the dinner I enjoy, just not all at the same time. Like, right. I, like, I, I like mashed potatoes. I like... Sweet potatoes. Green bean casserole I, is trash. I, I even can get on some green bean casserole, but I don't trash. want it while I'm also eating six other things that have the same consistency. <laughs> um, one day they're in the black, and that covers the rest of the year. That's that's absolutely right on stovetop stuffing, Lambig. Um, Josh, I'm telling you, waffle stuffing was unbelievable. You just, you do all the things that you would do. And then before you put it in the oven, instead of putting it in the oven, you put it in a waffle maker and you make a goddamn waffle. Why, why do you have to have the disgrace that is the cranberry sauce in the can? Like you just shake it out and it's got the imprints of the can still <laughs> right? on it. Like just don't have This it. is where I draw the line. You stop it with the cranberry blasphemy. Cranberry sauce. Why don't you make uh, like get some cranberries and yes. make some cranberries? If you make it with like, if you know, or, you know, Chad. Orange. You know. I know it sucks. Like, I've had it. It's, it's so terrible. Good. So I can't wait tomorrow. That's my favorite tomorrow. <laughs> no, but I'll be eating. I'll be eating uh, lasagna, toasted ravioli, uh, shrimp cocktail, and then I'll have a little turkey because I just enjoy a little bit of turkey. Of a little mashed potato with gravy, uh, and that's that's pretty much it. And then whatever other like appetizer type things, you know, we we have. But you know, I just I can't load up my plate with, <laughs> with all of that stuff at the same time. <laughs> Thunder, you're going deep here. Uh, I mentioned there was a number one candidate to be the head coach before the board nixed that and Bone uh, with the UC Brandon hire. It was Frank Martin. They were getting ready to hire Frank Martin. They had a plane ready. They were going to go pick him up and bring him back to Cincinnati, announce him as the head coach. But he was involved in, one, he was involved in the uh, FBI stuff. And two, he's a shitty head coach. <laughs> <laughs> so they nixed it. There you go. There's your answer. It was not Van Exel or Patino. It was Frank Martin. They wanted to get the band back together. Hugs wanted to flex his influence on UC. And have Frank Martin be the head coach, much like he wanted to do with Eric Martin and Nick Van Exel. And guess what? Bob Huggins wouldn't piss on UC if UC was on fire. Aaron so he does Aaron not get to pick the head coach. Catching strays about the, the, the not being the state guy thing will never will never die. Which I'm like, hey, you like what you like, you don't like what you don't like. I don't care. Like, yeah. But Aaron doesn't like steak. But I don't like Thanksgiving food. I'm sure a ton of people think that that's ridiculous. But guess what, Dave? We eat we eat Thanksgiving food once a year. I eat steak five I, times a month. I could eat steak like yeah, once thirty once a times a month. If steak was more <laughs> reasonable to eat, I would eat steak thirty times a month. <clears throat> no, I would like a Thanksgiving where you get like 
it's kind of like the seven fishes of the Italian Chris, <laughs> Christmas. You just have like seven different meats. Right. You got like chicken wings, ribs, steak, pork tenderloin, like you Full know pork, brisket. Just yeah, all just give me all the meats and like a couple of the sides. <laughs> the sides are so overrated. So, like I, I I did. I, I purposely tanked uh uh stuffing only so you know how like sometimes even the, even the mains are overrated. Like the turkey and the ham, I think most people like I would much rather have it on a like a get a ciabatta roll, the the turkey, some some good cheese, put it in the oven. Like I'd much rather have my turkey like that than just so, like two little pieces of turkey that are like lukewarm with some gravy poured on them. So did you ever? Uh, uh, this is gonna we're going off the rails here. Did you ever go to Fred and Gary's downtown? Yeah, I've, I have been there. I, I only get Italian sandwiches. Okay, they're Italian sandwiches. The best, Itali one of the top three Italian sandwiches I've ever had. But their turkey was like Thanksgiving turkey, but like sliced, like thick. But it was like turkey, right? Like it was, and you got Thanksgiving turkey on a sandwich. Yeah. Like a real, like legit, great homemade bread and like, whatever you wanted on it. And that turkey was the shit. The shit. Yeah. Better than like what you eat at Thanksgiving in 99% right. of the households across America. Yeah, Darren knows what's up. This was like my Italian restaurant thing. It was like the Italian version the Italian version of a Brazilian steakhouse. Yeah. Jason Cooper said seven different cuts of steak. Yeah, that's a yeah. Brazilian steakhouse. That's what that yeah. is. Give me, give me, yes. What the, the sausage... Uh, yeah, just, maybe we can start our own the Bearcat Journal Thanksgiving tradition, the Feast of the Seven Steaks. And that's then you the, add us, like, and I love, I love the that's, desserts. That's the Bearcat Journal tradition, Dave. The Feast that's of right. the Seven Steaks. That's right. You want to, you want to hear a great story? Uh, one great I'm, story. Before I'm sure we get you're going to tell it whether I tell you yes. I want to hear it or not. I promised we weren't going to go two hours, and we're two, we're at two hours. Um, so uh, I had to get. Like I wanted the one thing I was missing in my ham recipe was like that turbino sugar. Oh yeah. So that when you sprinkle that on top, it's like the, you know, like a honey baked ham. It gives that like you do it at the end and it kind of melts in and you get that crunchy sugar taste. So I went to uh I had radio today to record some stuff. And I went to Fresh Market, which is right there in Kenwood, to get the sugar. And as I was walking towards the sugar. My favorite, like my favorite dessert is um, like chocolate silk pie. Okay. Like that, just that, you know, that rich, creamy. Yeah, like, yeah. And so I was walking past the dessert section on my way to the sugar and they had a full chocolate silk pie. And I was like, oh, that'll, that'll be pretty good for like, we'd take that over and like, you know, just have an extra dessert for Thanksgiving and I brought it home and I was like, I got a chocolate soap pie. I told Kelly, I was like, I got a chocolate soap pie to take over to my aunt's. And Kelly was like, would you be mad if we don't take it? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I think I want some of that tonight. <laughs> bring half of it. <laughs> so the question is, can you bring half a pie to, uh, do, do to, whatever you to, want. to Thanksgiving? Sure. Because 
because they ate half of that shit and I haven't even had a piece. I, I want a piece here before I go to bed, but I haven't had a piece. I brought it home. The thought was there that we're going to take it over to the family uh, tomorrow. And my family was like, uh, nah, dog, we're going to eat that right here in this house tonight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even bring it. <laughs> oh, like you're just giving out your pie to other people. I think that's probably what's going to happen is that when we get home tomorrow night, that pie, the half of that pie is going to be in the fridge and that's going to be dessert. Yes, because right. like that's the other thing. Like I could go on about this topic for so long. It's like the le the, the leftovers. You know what's not you know what's worse than all that shit at the same time on Thanksgiving Day? <laughs> all that shit 3 days later when you've warmed it up four more fucking times. The only thing I really do is a leftover. My uncle makes phenomenal turkey. I've talked about this multiple times. He roasts it in one of those old, like, 1950 roasting pans. When it gets done, he takes it out. He pulls it all. He puts it back in the roasting pan with all the juices. And then that's the turkey we get, which is, like, super tender and moist because it's yeah. roasted and then put in the juices. So I will eat at least one usually two leftover turkey sandwiches from my uncle's yep. turkey. That's, that's, that's it. I don't really eat any, like, that's the only leftovers I eat. <laughs> Dave, why are you causing a panic? <laughs> oh, man. We do this, like, we do something like this every year where I Dave have, gives have, his thoughts. I have my food takes, man. It's like, I like I like my food, and this is not one of the days that I'm especially looking look that I especially look. Are you the same to. way on Christmas? No, because my mom, holy cow, man, she <laughs> does more imagine. work for more work for Christmas. I mean, and it I can is only imagine. It's not like a Christmas dinner like sit down thing, but we have. It's more of like a grazing situation. You get one of this, <laughs> one of this, you know. But no, we have. I mean, we'll get we can get into that at another time when we're not. <laughs> we'll get you know. to Christmas. We'll get it. We'll yeah. continue this conversation. But no, I that that if I could have that meal for Thanksgiving, I would I would love that. Yeah. Uh, Matt wants to know when do they come back from Hawaii? From what I've heard, they'll be back Friday. At some point, I think they still they'll hang out at least for a portion of tomorrow, and then maybe like tomorrow evening, tomorrow night they get on a plane and fly back and just kind of like sleep on the plane. They don't play again until Wednesday. Red, red uh, eye. A week, yeah. It, it's a charter, so <clears throat> just fly back on the charter and crash on the charter and um. They got a couple days when they get back, so uh, I believe most of tomorrow, at least, they'll they'll be able to hang out in Hawaii. They're not going to have to get on a plane tonight, from my understanding. So, uh, Burr oh, Owens, uh, less than about twenty minutes prior to now, you'll get my my brief little uh, additional comment regarding what you're asking. And if you want to know Dave's other thoughts, you can become a member of Bearcat Journal and save 75% on a whole year of membership. That's yeah. roughly 
to be a member of Bearcat Journal for a whole year. Deviled eggs, yes or no? Um, oh, 100% yes. Love them. I, I, I don't hate them. I don't love them. They have a, they have a time and a place. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not, like, I'm not walking in and beelining for the deviled eggs. <laughs> but if they're there and, like, I'm in the mood, I will, I will have a deviled egg. I don't dislike them at all. Yeah. So I think that about right. covers it. Yeah, we still got to do a nightcap. So <laughs> it's just it's three keys. We got to do three keys. I'm not doing it tomorrow night. I can guarantee you that. So uh, we got to do three keys. We covered the basketball game for like 50 minutes. I don't think we have to do that. David, you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Me I know you, it's, a, it's your favorite holiday. It's number one at the top of your list. Yes. You yes. have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And I will, uh, I will see you at some point, Brad. Yes. So, uh, yes. Thank you, everyone. Hopefully, we, uh, we have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving and a wonderful, wonderful uh, Friday. <laughs> Lambig said, "Deviled eggs are slick throat missiles for more mush. They are mushy." Yes. You you do make a great argument that all the all the Thanksgiving stuff is just stuff so, that you don't, like. You just gum it and swallow it. Oh God! Don't. Uh... <laughs> that's the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail. They don't serve anything that's mush at the Holy Grail. No. See you next time right here on BearcatJournal.com.